Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people and real stories. A local podcast for local artists. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Afternoon Delight with myself, Johnny Delight. It has been... Such an interesting week, hasn't it? It's been a difficult one, it's been intense, it's been wild, it's been chaotic. And let me tell you, the next interview is one of the most wholesome moments in Afternoon Delight I think we've had from the most chaotic person I have ever witnessed perform, host, and do the most chaotic game show known. I had said to you all last week, you know, I'm planning on this next guest being a surprise. And for some of you, you know, I don't know if a lot of you are Liverpoolian fans or I feel like it's Liverpoolian. Apologies if this is totally not acceptable to that. Um, you know, Scousers, but Scylla Black, icon, hero, legend. She was the moment, as Oprah would have described her, but she's now no longer here, sadly. Was always alive and well Wednesday nights because Wednesday nights, the gorgeous guest I have next, the ginger, basically gay man version of Scylla, minus the Liverpool accent, probably drinks and smokes double or triple, although I don't think he smokes actually. Oh well. <laughs> he is an absolute hero in the queer community. I've often found him um, quite overwhelming sometimes because I've been so insecure um, as you are as an artist. But it's funny because actually before the interview he'd said to me, you know, oh I'm really nervous. I thought, what? I'm nervous to interview you, you're nervous to interview, do the interview. Like I just thought, oh my God, this is so apt. Um, and says a lot, actually, about the queer community and sort of this weird cliqueiness that exists that we're both discuss really in depth how much we want things to change. But he was always a beacon of light on Wednesday nights. He always gave such a great show. He has often been considered, like myself, a performer that is optimistic, full of life, and people tend to, unfortunately, you know, we want people to light us up and bring us back and be a glimmer of hope, but unfortunately for some people we can't always do that. And he and myself really go into that. And this is a great interview. I'm really excited to share it with, all with you. Um, so without further ado, as life is full of surprises, you know, let's bring on the prize surprise host and legend from televisions, come die with me. It is of course, the amazing Ryan Mathewson. Welcome back to Afternoon Delight with myself, Johnny Delight. Well, last week I did have a journalist. She wasn't a blind dater at all, ladies and gentlemen, non-binaries. And this week I wanted to keep my first guest as a big surprise because we have got the host back in the day of Prize Surprise from the Street and just overall TV legend from Come Down With Me, Ryan Matthewson. How are you doing? TV legend, I will take that. I will take that because, you know, it was pretty legendary, wasn't it? And we're going to bring Prize Surprise back. Are you? We are going to, yeah, we're going to come back after the pandemic. Wendy is really poor. She's <laughs> so poor that she needs me to do some shows to make her some money. And so she phoned me and she said, I'll release your nudes. And um, sales of magnifying glasses went up on Amazon that day. We, we looked at the analytics and yeah, I know we're going to come back. We don't know for how long, because, you know, obviously I'm uh, like, you know, with, with like my normal job and stuff like that. So, um, but um, yeah, 
we're quite excited to come. I'm excited to be here. I was actually really nervous today. Why were you nervous? You of all people. I, I, I always still get nervous. If you don't get nervous, that means you don't care. So yeah. I, like, I always still get nervous, even if it's a podcast or if it's like, you know, going on stage in Price Prize or when I did Priscilla or anything like that, you know, you, you still get nervous because it does genuinely mean that you care. Even in like your work and stuff, you know, you should, there should still be elements of you're like, oh, fuck, am I doing the right thing? Am I going in the right direction? So, yeah. Well, it's so lovely that you were nervous then because I was nervous to interview you and wanted to make sure I did a good job. So I feel like we're both, we're both batting off each other in the best way. So that's great. And you have got a wee cocktail, your cheers, your cocktail. I'll cheers my tea. Cheers. (laughs) I didn't know that Tonic did deliveries. So um, I was looking online for um, delivery. I, I would obviously order from the street but um you know they only do it friday saturday because i think sunday to thursday david white's in a k-hole somewhere down leash i think so I, I, that's why they only do them uh, fridays and saturdays so i went to tonic and they're lovely you know i did well done, tonic i did wonder who that person was trying to grab me on my street i was like this is a wild week for me <laughs> no. Absolutely. it's him it's fucking him Brilliant. And he would, and he looks like he'd be in a K-hole only because he's just got such unkempt facial hair. <laughs> it's unkempt. It's wiry. And um, if you've ever got a power cut and you need to rewire your house, just go and take half a yard off his beard and you'll be all right. This you'll is, be A-OK. This is going to be such a riot. I'm so excited for this interview already. So could you introduce yourself to my listeners if they don't know you? I mean, they pretty much will know you, but if they don't, would you mind introducing yourself, Ryan? Yeah, I'm Ryan Matthewson, star of stage and screen. Um, I've, you know, I think that I've got my day job, which I absolutely love, and I'm an IT professional, and I have done that for nine years now. It'll be ten years this year. Um, I started that job um, when I was nine, so that makes me nineteen. <laughs> and um, yeah, and it's, um, I've, you know, Edinburgh is just my favourite place to to be and to live. I was born in. Fife, um, so I, I can chip you if you want. You know, I can defend myself. Um, and um, I, I came to Edinburgh for university and then I never really left. I, I, I stayed in Glasgow, you know, for a year and a half and things like that. And with work, I travel a lot. But in doing so, it's quite good because it's made me realise how much I, I love Edinburgh and how, you know, that's why I put roots down here. I've bought a place in Trinity and um, I have... I had two cats, but one of them died. It's Sonny and Cher. So if you ever see me, you just always say, I'm really sorry to hear about Sonny. And you remember that because it's like real life. Sonny died first and Cher's going to live forever. And um, so, yeah. And it's, um, you know, I think that being on the, like the gay scene, because I know we're going to come and talk about that and talk, go on to things like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's just, um, I think that it's just such an amazing place, Edinburgh, very culture rich history rich you know like the shit's been happening in edinburgh before the puritans decided to leave and go and rape and pillage america so it's um you know it's just such a great city to be in um and you know it's actually been fascinating as a local to not have any local uh, to not have any visitors do you not think you know we've been able to we've been able to appreciate our city in this really random thing which will hopefully fingers crossed never happen again so um yeah, so it's just, yeah, that's me. I think I've covered most bases. No, that is beautifully put and so eloquently said. And it's it's so interesting for me what you just said about tourist sites in Edinburgh. 
110%. I was so busy pre-pandemic working so many different jobs. I didn't really have the time to go for a walk up Arthur seat. And I'd posted last week a beautiful photo of me being like, this is why I'm voting for green because I'm a green voter, but this is why I'm voting for green because look at all the greenery space behind me. Because I thought, I never took this stuff in. We have yeah. beautiful space and scenery and the castle. I did a photo shoot in the castle a few months ago where yeah. I was out and about in the snow and I thought, God, this is stuff I did not appreciate. You're so right. I've seen that photo of you. It's, it's so funny that you would describe it as beautiful. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. I've seen it. No, you're completely right. It, you know, because usually we're running along Princess Street either to buy our lashes or buy our lunch. And we're trying to move tourists out the way. And then, you know, now you think to yourself, wait a minute, they probably come from somewhere where there's not a castle built into an extinct volcano that's actually real. Like, it is very movie set. Um, you know, I won't mention the author's name, but, you know, it, it clearly it is clear why this um, city inspired Harry Potter. You know, I'm not giving that, I am not giving that cunt any airtime. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll mention the book. Um, you know, so... Um, yeah, we're just, we are so, so lucky, you know. So right. So, and right. I know, and I just know, like, when you, other times you, you go, when I go around the world and things like that, it's so good. And I've been to loads of really good places, but I always am happy to, to get home. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so interesting. And yeah. for me, it's really funny you say you bought, obviously, a flat in Trinity, because I obviously identify as the real housewife of Leaf and Drag, and I kind of think, oh, you stay in posh Leaf then. <laughs> I do. I stay, I stay in Poshleaf, where only three stabbings happen every second, um, compared to 33. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, like, I've got a much, you know, smaller closet than you, because stab-proof vests are thinner than bulletproof vests. So, you know, your, all your costumes will be bulletproof. Mine's just need to be stab-proof. No, I'm kidding. I really, no, it's, it's, it is meant to be posh, but it's not really, because I fucking live here. You know, who knows what happened when the committee says I can come in. They were probably trying to get their demographic up. You know, under average height, overweight, ginger, gay, um, has a voice like a drag queen. So, yeah, they're probably thinking we'll, it'll go in the annual report as they've started to look at equality and diversity. Most people say I've retired to Trinity because I used to live on George Street. So they say I've retired to Trinity because I've come here to just become an old cunt that shouts out the window at the children. <laughs> you know. so, yeah. You there, have you seen the prize turkey in the butcher's window? Go and buy it for me. Something like that. That's absolutely brilliant. So I'm interested as someone that's known you from drinking with you, coming to your nights. I've known you for such a long time now, but one thing I want to get to know about you that I don't know is you talked there about uni. So where did you, you know, you talked about Fife as well. Where did you grow up, study, work before you came to Edinburgh and you actually ended up doing Price Surprise? You know, who were you before that? I would love to know more about that. Yeah, so uh, Kirkcaldy in Fife, which, you know, I am, um, I know it's not got the best reputation, um, both in general and with our community, but I have to say I, I only have good things to say about Kirkcaldy, you know, and it's the, and, and again, you know, we're, again, we're so lucky that we're in Scotland here, there's loads of history, Kirkcaldy, the birthplace of Adam Smith and things like that, and, um, you know, and there's lots of good architecture in Kirkcaldy and stuff, and some of my, like, oldest and, like, dearest friends live in Kirkcaldy, and um, so I was, I was lucky with that, I've got a, a great family, you know, mum and dad still together and things like that, and a, and a great brother, all extremely supportive, um, I think, 
they knew from early on is, you know, I was like, you know, four years old, dancing along with Cole Bunker, saying I was the queen of the castle. And I think they were like, aren't you the king? And I was like, no fucking way. Um, absolutely not. Um, not enough, not enough jewels. And um, so, yeah, and then, you know, I think that I was extremely lucky as well that in Kirkcaldy High School, there was a phenomenal drama teacher. Um, and, you know, like every day, you know, I loved my English teacher. And we, we, I stayed in contact with them after school because we got on so well. And, you know, they, they still continued to support and inspire me. My English teacher's like no longer with us. And honestly, it was just such a loss to everybody that knew her. She was so young and it was, you know, cancer, which is just a complete, absolute shite. So, you know, you've got to, but you just kind of, she always just taught you to kind of like get on with it and just kind of pull yourself up and, and get along. Was I the best academically? I was good, but I wasn't great. But I was like blessed with, you know, I, do, I genuinely, and I say to people, I don't think I'm funny. I just kind of say what comes into my head. And so I was blessed with that, where I was just able to be like, oh, really? Well, I think you look like a tart, you know? So I've got that, and, and I am quick. Unless you've seen me in the street anytime past, you know, five in the afternoon, and I've had far too much to drink by that point, you know, I'm not very quick then. But, you know, I, I'm blessed with being quick. And then I decided to kind of continue doing drama, so I went to Queen Margaret, oh. and then I kind of fell out, yeah, not to Queen Margaret, and um, I kind of fell out with love with drama, and it wasn't the university's fault, it was just very, I did the kind of, the course where it was kind of drama and English mixed together, so they kind of focused a lot on the theory and the history, where um, I think I was really wanting to be more practical. So I kind of fell out in love with drama, and then I, you know, also I didn't want to take a student loan, so I also, when I was like full-time at university, I worked full-time at Tesco's, which was just fabulous. And because, um, you know, and with the support of my parents and then obviously working like that, I was able to not take a student loan and things like that. So I think I learned at university to, to be hardworking and to balance the books. You know, you've got you to work hard and you've always got to kind of... I've worked since I was 13. I worked in a Chinese restaurant in Kirkcaldy called Maxine's, which is still there. And um, Barbara Streisand's first job was in a Chinese restaurant, by the way. So just saying, I, I could be the next. Barbara, can you hear me? Barbara, can you see me? Um, so, yeah, and then moving to And then I met, like, my best Judies in Edinburgh. You know, who you, you know them. You know, like, you know, Douglas, Callum, Michelle. Um, and there's loads more people. And then the, I got into, I came back into the kind of, performing look because of Trendy Wendy. She kind of had seen me do some stand-up comedy and then she was like, oh, can you please come and do our weekly game show? And I was like, no, 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 no. Can't do that weekly because I'm too tired. Um, I'm like a koala. I sleep for like 22 hours a day then get up and eat for two. And um, she was like, no, you can you do it? And you know, and what I'll do is I'll give you and your friends like a hundred pounds bar tab. And I was like, what fucking night do you want me? What time? I'll do it every day, all day. And um, yeah, so that's kind of and how it came back. And that's why I'm so fiercely loyal to the street as well, you know, because um, I'm just like, I they've, they did so much for me to get me back on that track. And then from doing Price Price, you know, I've been Priscilla Queen of the Desert. And then, you know, I'm thinking about auditioning for Shrek, and um, which is done by Limelight Productions and Dom Fairman at the Alhambra. And, you know, and then, you know, did, was you know confident enough to come down with me do things like this mm. and then you know I, I do all right with my normal job and I don't want to 
be famous or anything like that. So, do you know, most of the stuff I do is all for charity. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't, you know, because I just think, you know, I don't want to earn from it and I'm not doing another fucking tax return. Um, those cunts get enough from me. Yeah. So, you know, I just give it straight to charity. And so if anyone needs a charity night and they're like, oh, can you host it? I'm like, absolutely. Oh, oh that's yeah. amazing. Oh, so you're a philanthropist then in a way. I love that. That's beautiful. Like, that's great. And yeah. Like, you have to be. Yeah. And the thing is, you might not know this, but I am also an ex-QMU student. I did the same course as you, although I think when I had done it, they had refurbed it and essentially it was meant to be just drama and performance and not really much theory but when I did it with my friends one of my friends actually who's done the podcast season one who was like you from Kirkcaldy we had kind of both said in our third year when we left and did our honours year that we felt it was so theory focused and we were performers or directors we didn't want to write about another essay about the history of theatre we wanted to actually create the work do you know what I mean um yeah when they were like Stan of Slasky, I was like did he not die in the war you know I was like who Brecht? That sounds like a um, kind of anti-acid medication, you know. So I'm, I'm like completely the same. I just, um, I, I just, it was, it, you know, I probably should have done my homework a bit more. And you know, back then maybe you didn't know as many people in the community. So and you know, when I was that age, and I'm not that old, anyone out there thinking about it, but we are all, all kind of on the cusp of when social media kind of that wave came in mm. the wave turned into a tsunami you know so when I was at school you know it wasn't until like maybe third or fourth year that people was a thing and then people were talking about Facebook but it was quite American and things like that and um, and now you're like they, those kids are growing up with that which is quite scary I think that's petrifying because I would have been about first second year in high school when I got Facebook and people was kind of fizzling out and now when I worked, it's funny you talk about being from Kirkcaldy because I actually worked with On Faith Cultural Trust doing a residency with them on Zoom, working with Kirkcaldy High School, which was so great. And they've got an LGBT group and I met all the kids that were identified as LGBT or they were allies because their sisters or brothers were there. It was so lovely. And the thing we were talking about was me and the two producers would say to them, you know, we're so inspired by the fact that you 10 years younger than us are talking as if you are us with our experience. And that makes me so happy and my heart warm. But the thing that really stood out was that they were talking about things like Snapchat and, and Instagram. And I just was, and one of them had said, I followed you on Instagram. And I can turn and went, what? And I had to actually, I did have to go and mute them so they couldn't see my stories. Cause I thought, you're only 14. You shouldn't be seeing the things I put on my stories. That's not appropriate. And then I didn't think about the yeah. fact, fuck the things I put on Instagram, I maybe now have to be mindful of. Like, it's so scary, you're right. The internet is like water. It just finds a way. Yeah. And even though they're like, oh, but my son says it's got age restrictions and stuff like that, you're like, aye, okay. That's it, aye. You know, so you're like, oh, God. I'm ordering, just so everyone know, I'm ordering more cocktails online because I'm having a, a great time. Now I've relaxed. I've had a cocktail. My Xanax is kicking in. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm ready to, ready to roll. So, so um. Tell me what's you no. Know, so I was just going to say, um, to try. I was in Kirkcaldy obviously Easter weekend um, to see my bubble, um, and uh, it was I, it was the first time I drove past the school in a long time, and the, you know the pride flags on all of their stuff outside, and I was like, whoa, that is change days, because you know there was, I never really was directly affected, but there was like a lot of bullying and stuff, you know. But I think that's that's kind of everywhere, and that's what's like you know everyone, why do you still need pride? Well, what? You know, and then the kind of people say to you, well, 
you know, you can hold hands in public. What more do you want? And you're like, what? Equality. You having this conversation is the reason we still need pride. You know? That, uh, you are so right. I completely. And it's so interesting because one of the things he'd asked me at the Creative Conversations on Zoom that we did at the end of the residency was... The, the teacher said to me, well, you know, what did you feel coming into this? Because you're from Edinburgh, you're from the city, whereas in Fife, it's a bit more countryside. And I'm from Edinburgh like you, but I moved here. I went, right. He's like, what did you feel coming in? Did you have expectations? I went, I'll be honest, I did have a bit of an assumption that I'd come in, there wouldn't be that many in the group. I didn't know that there would be about two handfuls and they would all know who they were at 14 because I didn't know who I was at 14. And... I find that really endearing. And one of the things I said to him as well was that with Fife, you know, I did still in my head have this Bronski beats wall town boy vibe that, oh, well, it's the countryside, so there's going to be stuff like that. But actually one of the things I told the kids in one of the last workshops was, you know, I had a hate crime happen to me when I was 22 with my friend who does drag in Edinburgh in the underground scene. And I thought to myself, God, am I still having to defend myself? And the brutal thing is you might always have to, but you can and you will. And they were all like, oh, thank you. And I was like, and it's not because you live in a smaller city. It's, it can be anywhere. That is the pandemic, you know. Yeah. Institutionalised hatred of, of groups, you know, and that can be any phobia or ism, you know, homophobia, racism. It, you know, there's so much work that we all need to do. Even if you think, oh, I'm fine and I'm really good. Well, good. Go and educate people then. Totally. No. Right. Sorry. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of where we're at. But I think we're maybe at a bit of a turning point, but I hope the turning point is in the right direction because the turning point can go either way. Yeah, I've had, before we get on to the infamous prize surprise question, like I had that thing where I was like, there's a lot of people that have used this time to go, right, what do I want from my life now? And when things return, am I going to have the same outlook? And there's been a lot of people that have went, right, it's been enough now, I want my life back and I don't want to like deal with the last 12 months and it's kind of like, oh, come summer, everyone will just forget it happened and it's like, no, no, you can't just pretend this didn't happen, that's not how this works, it's history now. Yeah, and you can't, the other thing I worry about is how the, the people's energy from the past year, energy is, again, like water, it needs to keep moving or it becomes stagnant and stagnant is just polluted and dirty and, and not good for anybody. I worry that people's energies are stagnant and they've got the, it's kind of turned a bit raw. And I think that's why people are getting so crazy on, you know, social media and stuff and are quick to be keyboard warriors now, but they're not even afraid to hide their face anymore. Do you know, they're just kind of like, I've got an opinion, this is it. And they're not prepared to listen to anybody else. That's the problem, you know, um, COVID's not just made people lose their sense of taste and smell, they've also lost the inability to hear. Wow, that was they don't. They don't want to hear anything. You know, they, it's, it's, you know, very mistrunchable, you know. I'm big, you're small, I'm right, you're wrong, and there's nothing you can do about it. Don't try and educate me, because I'm right. I'll educate you, and, you know, if you don't pick this up quick, then you're part of the problem. Yep. So, the cocktails are flowing, Chat me through Prize Surprise and give me more information. So you were doing it every week and how many years did you do it? And, you know, what was it like on an average night? Talk me through it. I had more farewell tours than share. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm through with this. I can't do it anymore. I'm too tired. Hump day became, you know, Thursday. 
and you know, and I really want to kind of focus on my my kind of my normal job. That's what I call it, because um, there is nothing normal about Price Surprise. But Price Surprise was so good because it was just about having fun, and nobody, you know, anybody could win up to the last minute, and it was just a big game of chance, and you know, and it was just, and then the best thing about it was I got to hang out with Wendy every Wednesday night and Ross towards the end, you know, Ross kind of came in and it was just this absolute fucking insane drinking game, which is what it kind of became. And um, and it was just so popular with like students and stuff and, you know, and you, you had to queue to get in something, you had to turn people away and things like that. And it was just, honestly, it's, I would not change any of it for the world. You know, I, I just thought it was, so much fun and something to do on a Wednesday night and yeah and uh, you know I am excited to to bring it back for god knows how long um but I'm old now so I need to watch in case I like keel over or something <laughs> but, um yeah uh, Wendy's still the same age embalmed with blue agua and um uh, I'm just can't stop looking at your cat behind you because it's given itself a lick out, which I think is the best thing ever. It's just really yeah. nuzzling right into its own pussy. Um, but it, you know, the the prize surprise phenomenon just it would took me by surprise. I didn't think it would be as popular, and I just thought it would be this kind of like thing that we did. And some weeks it would be busy, and some weeks nobody would show up, so we would just get to like maybe go for a bite to eat at basement or something, and then I could go home. And it was just so much fun it, and so much fun. such as someone that came quite a lot um and also went to price surprise it was quite um a great night <laughs> Ten in so much fun the thing i always used to get really as an audience member really irked up by but i still love is that idea that you could be doing really well and then the envelope with it was a, something to do with a biscuit remind me you would like risk it for a biscuit so you would like do you want to keep your points or do you want to try and like risk it for a biscuit to win the money now and everyone would risk it for a biscuit, and there was fucking so many Jaffa cakes going around the room. Or is, is that a cake or a biscuit? I don't know. I never really worked that one out. But, like, you know, and then, you know, people went away with... One night we gave away £1,000. One night we gave away a brand-new iPad. It, like, was... Like, some of the stuff was just so crazy. And, uh, yeah, and it was... the other, And I'd loved, you know, most of the time, everybody took it in the spirit it was meant. Because, you know... Comedy is like one of those things where you fly so close to the bone, but then, you know, you get people that will sometimes say, well, I didn't like that. And then, but my, my thing is like, well, why did you come? You know, why did you come here to, to, to see this show and you kind of know it's comedy and things like that. And then, you know, and then I don't ever defend my bad jokes because I don't think I need to defend them because they're not bad jokes. They're just jokes that maybe somebody's decided to take badly mm. and and then uh, you know most of the time at price wise it all went like exceptionally well and I just uh, you know I think that um you know laughter is just the best thing you know if you don't laugh at the situation you know you'd be you'd be completely fucked yeah. and um and you know and uh, people just that I worry that people take themselves too seriously now yeah you know and don't and don't appreciate don't appreciate comedy for what it is and and I, I worry about stand-up comedy um because I I I think that there is a certain there is a certain kind of how do you put this almost extremist person 
that is cancel culture. Mm. I don't like people saying cancel culture, but there are individuals out there that have decided to make that their job. Mm. And I just think that some people out there aren't very good at anything. They're generally, they're always in the middle of the class, middle of the road. They've not got a talent that they can really talk about. So they've decided to make their talent, you know, complaining about absolutely fucking everything. Ow. A Karen? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Karen only wants money, though, and things for free. <laughs> These people, you know, just want to shout and scream and, yeah. And, you it's, know, and it, it's, yeah. And I worry, I worry about that. I worry about stand-up comedians and, you know, and, and how they will no longer be themselves. The best comedy is just when you let go. It's cathartic for the comedian and the audience will get a good laugh, you know, but if there's comedians are now thinking, hmm, if I say that joke, will there be somebody there that will say, oh, that's just awful. I know what you mean. You know, and, and they worry, and then the social media, again, is like so quick to move. It's so organic, you know, it's, you know, it's, social media feels like it's kind of alive, that it will quickly take up on, on this wave, as I called it, a wave, a ripple in the pond can turn quickly into a wave, which can quickly turn into a tsunami. Wow. That, you know, that will kind of, you know, it's the old Chinese proverb, you know, a butterfly flapping its wings on one side of the world turns into a hurricane by the time it reaches the other side of the world. Wow. And that social media sometimes gets like that. And you, some people get swept up in it and, you know, they add their own arms and legs and, you know, you find out days later that the person that was really kind of keeping on stirring the pot wasn't actually at the event that they're pissed off about, you know. Yep. That's it, you know, and I was lucky that I got to do price price then because, you know, now I do worry that, you know, someone would be like, I'm offended. You know, it's so funny because I think sometimes I can often be considered, I guess, woke because um, I can be very sociopolitical on a lot of things I say. But I think for me, one of the things I used to love coming to Surprise Surprise and seeing was there was one night me and my two friends had came randomly we just went oh do you know what it's Wednesday we've been having dinner and drinks let's go to the street and there would it might be enough space and there was we were like oh we came on the right night everything's grand it naturally flowed and I just remember you were saying so because I was sober normally when I came before I've been quite pissed so I've been like ah ha, ha. this time I was like quite sober still and I remember you were saying so many on the nose jokes but I was laughing and I said to my friend like I do admire that I wish I was more um able to lose my inhibitions and just come out with it because I think people really do kind of like love that in a way um, and I think it was I used to laugh so much and I just thought it was brilliant and I think that's quite that's a quality I admire so I think a lot of people in stand-up you know they still do want that they still definitely do well thank you because that's that, that is a great compliment and I, I think a lot of people do they still do want that but you know I never ever mean it because I say loads of jokes about myself do you know we're like, you know, um, I, I was in pain backstage because I realized that, like, you know, when I'm shaving in the shower, I keep my razor cap under my tit. You know, am I, you know, am I, did that really happen? Do I, have I got tits like Dolly Parton? No. Have I been telling people that I'm going to get the Dolly Parton vaccine so that I grow a set of tits? Yes. You know, and, you know, like, I, like, I talk about being ginger all the time and, and all that, this kind of stuff. And I talk about my weight and, you know, sexuality and things. Do you know, so I, I'm quick to turn that laser focus onto myself. So I don't mean it when I'm saying, you know, I don't know, the, you know, I said to someone that um, 
what was it? I had one I said, I was shouting down the microphone and we put the echo on and I said, I'm really sorry you can hear an echo. It's because that girl's got her legs open. You know, did, what, did it mean she'd have sounded like Aladdin's cave? No. But, you know, it's just comedy. It's just like, you know, and you have to go with it. You need to be involved. If you buy the ticket, you're ticking the T's and C's to say, like, I'm here for that. You're so right, actually. You're so accurate about that, all that. Um, and it's interesting for me, one of the questions I'd like to like, kind of throw at you is, with prize to prize, you know, doing it in the street, I think there is always going to be a mystery in the air of anything you do in any club. Um, like when I would do DJ at CC's, I'd kind of, I'd always go, oh, I know what I'll play, I know what they'll enjoy, but then I'd get people asking for songs. I think, wow, I never get to play that. I'll play it for you, why not? And there's some people that, I've often said this, especially in DJing, that you could play one song, I said it to Frankie Elise, who was the last guest for you, that you could play one song in a club and people would fucking die for it, and you could play it in another club and the, the room emptied. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's that you've got to be so in tune with what's going on in the night. That can happen on the same night. Yeah. Do you know, you could play this song that's kind of got, like, a song that's really similar. Do you know, you could play Britney, and the place is jumping, and then you think, I'll switch it into Dirty by Christina Aguilera. And the place empties. You're so right. You know, and you're like, but they're the same genre, the same era, you know, and things. And, you know, maybe they were just offended by Christina Aguilera Dirty because they're all a bunch of hoes. You know, that's maybe like the, the song, they've taken offense to that. Don't play that song. <laughs> it triggers me. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, it's, do, you, do you need to kind of be, and I, I struggled with it, but they also taught me a lot because it, was, it became quite student-y. Mm. And I'm not a student. I'm like, my, my playlist is like Barbra Streisand and, and Bette Midler and Liza, and I've been to see them all live and things like that. So that is stereotypical of, of me. So sometimes they'd be coming up and asking for a song and I'd be like, I have fucking no idea what you're saying. I, I, didn't, I would be like, is that their name or is that the track name? Yeah, yeah like, relatable, yeah. And I'd just like, here, type into my phone. Because I'm not a DJ, I'm not like you, I don't. I just used to use an AUX cable and pretend I was in my car. <laughs> oh, yeah. Question for you then is, you know, because it, it, sometimes I would come and go, it's very student actually this night, but not intentionally. But what was it like taking prize to prize to other places? Because I know you did charity events and stuff with it in other like, venues. What was that like? Prize to prize is kind of universal because it's everybody's competitive. Yeah. And... Um, everybody wants to win. And I think we kind of were like, we want to be like the claw grabbing machine at the arcade. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you're so close so many times and you're so nearly winning and, you know, the, and, you know, and things like that. And then we also wanted to be the, the kind of catch the duck where it's like a prize every time. So we always felt good when everybody left with something, even if it was like a shot or things like that. You know, we always felt like good that like, and that kind of worked as well. And then I think that if you took it like to someplace and, you know, they, most people would get involved. If they didn't want to get involved, just left them alone. That was the other thing about being in tune. As long as you had a core amount of people that were taking part, then, you know, the other people that were on the periphery, as long as they didn't get in the way, you know, as long as they just went to the bar and got their drinks or, you know, they were like the drink runner for their team. We just left them alone. And yeah, we went, we did it down the grass market somewhere. We did it for corporations. We did it for just other events, other charity stuff. You know, we did it in London once and things like that. So it was just, it was honestly so good. And I think because also we played games from the TV. 
yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we played Deal or No Deal and Wheel of Fortune and Player Cards, right, and things like that, that people kind of were able, bought into it because it was a bit nostalgic. Yeah. You know, I, quality, so. I used to love that quality to it. And obviously you sing that infamous song by Silla Black every time, which at I've, the end the end which was beautiful every time and I am and it's so interesting hearing all this and obviously I know that you can sing because you used to do it every week at Price Price but you know I never knew so talk me through Priscilla chat me through that let me know I was in like yeah so I just kind of auditioned to be in Priscilla uh with um Limelight Theatre in um Dunfermline and I like got the um Guy Pierce part is it was he in the film was the Guy Pierce the younger one is that like he was it was meant to be like the fit one, so I, I was kind of miscast there. I looked like I'd eaten the fit one. But, you know, like, I think it was just because I was the sassy one and the youngest one there. I really wanted to play Bernadette, like the old one that's kind of like, but no, they, and it was so good. And they're such a lovely company. And I would, like, honestly can't wait for things to get back to normal. They're doing Shrek, so I think I'm going to audition for Shrek and things like that. Because you just need to kind of do stuff to make yourself, if you've realised one thing too, the pandemic is if you enjoy something don't think I'll do it next year I'll wait to see what show they're doing next year because you know how many things did we say in 2019 we'll do it next year yeah and now it's 2021 and you know chances are that you know that you know the poor people out there that love going on holiday that's going to be like 2022 Mm. that's so right I'm just, I'm just fascinated because I didn't know that part. And obviously, a born performer, as we know, drama followed you your life. You then went to uni, study it. You then do prize, prize. You then being on Priscilla. Chat me through you getting on Come Down With Me. Because I'll tell you now, when I seen you were like, guess what, cat's at the back. I'm going to be on Come Down With Me. I remember seeing this on my phone and going... I am howling because that is the most perfect thing I've seen in so long. You, I love Come Down With Me, everyone. No one knows this, actually, not many people, but Come Down With Me and Four in a Bed, secret love shows that I watch when I'm, like, hungover. Chat me through it. We, I was at work, and we, the girls at work were like, oh, look, it's coming. And I was like, oh, I'd walk that. They were like, well, apply for it then. And I was like, do, let's do it. Send me the URL. <laughs> and then I applied and you were to do this like massive application form and I just put my picture, my name, my contact details and didn't answer any of the questions at the box at the bottom. I was just like, I'm too busy to write any of this, but if you want to know more, give me a phone. And they phoned me. And then now I'm, you know, I, I, we did it and it was honestly so fun, you know, so much, but it is five days in a row. You know, everyone's like, oh, is it over two weeks and stuff? No, it's, it is five days in a row. So by the end, you're so tired. When it's not your day to cook, they come and pick you up at like half ten. And when it is your day to cook, they're banging at your door at seven in the morning. And, you know, some of the dinner parties went on to like three, four in the morning. Oh my so God. It's, a, it's a long day. Like they've, and the, the, the production company were amazing. They didn't lose their temper once. They'd be like, right, move, 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 move. I was sick of being shot from different angles. So that's the, that's the only part that's, that's put on. Everything else is so natural. But if, um, you know, they'd say, put the plate down here and then come back around. We're going to film you putting the plate down from this angle. And, you know, in some of the shots on mine, you can tell I'm getting really pissed off doing it because I'm like slamming the plates down. Like, I've done that. I did think that. that. <laughs> you know, sliding across the table and things like that. Yeah. On my night, I just got monstrously pissed, which was not the right thing to do. And then it just kind of all went wrong. 
and um, they were trying, they were like, they kept saying, guys, remember this, these are going out at five o'clock at night, so we can't be seen to glamorize alcohol. Well, I said, you should play this then, because this, if I was a child, I think I don't want to end up like them, you know, because this is not glamorizing alcohol. This is just, um, you know, making it look like an absolute shite show. But no, we had the best and we still speak to each other. We've still got like our own WhatsApp group and things like that. And we've not seen each other as much because of the pandemic, but you know, we're still all in contact. Great friends. And they were so quick to say that. They were like, we're not even going to try and stir up some drama. We're going to, this is just going to be so funny. So we just, we, we loved that. We, we really did like love that. On the Sunday before I was in London to see Cher and I flew back up and then we did, uh, we did, um, come down with me and then on the Saturday it was my Halloween party wow and so I was at, I was just so tired but it was so good yeah and you know it's so funny because Halloween you I think and especially in the queer scene in Edinburgh you are known for every year turning out the Halloween looks I actually I, I hate to say it but in a way I will say it because it's arsooking you every Halloween I have sat and went I wonder what Ryan's gonna do this year because every single time you turn out absolutely oh, do you know I, you know, I love it. And, you know, I really don't think when we were younger, I don't know if you agree, well, you're much younger than me, but it wasn't gay Christmas. No. And it has become that. I don't know if that was a mean girls thing and that culturally moved into, you know, that area. But um, yeah, like, it's just, I just think what you do is phenomenal. I just, it's so much effort, drag, and it's such, it's an art form and it needs to always be clever. It needs to always say something because if not, then, you know, you kind of go, well, why? Mm. You know, why? You know, all, you, you, there always needs to be a why. So, and, you know, I think that there's like, you know, social, political drag queens such as yourself, and um, I know there's a few others in, in Scotland, you know, because we're in such a, a kind of hyper um, politicised environment at the moment, not just with COVID, but with independence and, you know, um, the kind of, uh, kind of making sure that women feel safe and comfortable. And then, you know, that feeds into the salmon's inquiry. And then that also feeds into how men don't like women in power, mm. you know, but, you know, was that a witch hunt, things like that. So it's, we're in such a you know, a, a society of that, that you know, there always needs to be a, a why. And then to kind of be able to pull that why into a costume and a scene or a song or a lip sync or an interview or something, you know, it, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of guts. And, you know, so I, that's why I only, re that's why I dress up at Halloween. But, you know, I could have been, a, a, I could have been a great drag queen, but oh yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit lazy at the moment. So <laughs> I just wouldn't, I just, honestly, you just, you's all, you, I admire all of your, um, on the scenes, um, energy and tenacity. Oh, thank you. I just laughed because I thought you were quoting her from X Factor, Rachel. <laughs> I was, I was. I, I would do, but I'm a bit lazy at the moment. I love that. Better than, better than Madonna. You're better than Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> Sheila E. Danny, I could probably do Danny. Just right now, yeah. That's um, how you know we're so lucky that we are we have got YouTube, oh. you know, because there are so many things that you know when our parents were younger they probably thought I wish I could see that again that was so funny, but then you know it's like um, we get to go on YouTube and then they become 
then the, there's the birth of the mem. You know, like these little sound bites that, you know, there's, you look back, you look at mems now and they, they, people are trawling the archives to make ones that are the, the golden old days, like, like that. That becomes a sound bite. So, you know, it's, it's um, yeah, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of lucky. They're so fast though, the mem people, aren't they? Yeah, no. and to be honest, I just couldn't help but think of when iPhones had the Animoji, they became the next thing that people were making Animojis with the different like visions of who the X Factor judges would be. And it was, and I used to cry watching these because I didn't have an updated iPhone. So I'd sit and go, oh my God, I need to watch all these. And I would cry in laughter. And yeah. The nuts. And then, do you know, there's you know, like, with, um, you know, watching um, the Oprah interview, which will, which is not as good as this one, by the way. Do you know, we're going to be internet sensations. When you were watching the interview, they were, the, the memonship was pouring through on Twitter. Yeah. So funny, so quick. And that's the kind of, that's the culture that we live in as well. And that's, again, feeds into why I think that drag queens are really admirable and things like that, because they, they have to, deliver their message as quick as that's moving but it's not a case of you know it's you know yes you've got your social media personality and social media accounts and things like that but it you like so you're able to quickly say something as Geordie Delight but then to then you also have to be quick enough to put it into a performance video or a podcast or a performance and um and yeah and then also take on the, the things that are personal to you and also take on the things that people in society don't really want to listen to mm. or don't care about because it doesn't affect them. Like I said earlier, when somebody says, no, I, I know, if you, like if you were to, you know, if, if we had a machine here and you scanned me, there wouldn't be a racist bone in my body. Mm. And you go, brilliant, but don't sit on your laurels, go and take that to other people. Yeah, you know, because that's what happens. Some people just go, oh, I don't, you know, everyone in my family's okay and healthy and we've got money. So I don't really need to listen to this political message. I can just go about my day. And you're like, mm, really? Yeah. You know, check yourself. Uh, it, it will, yeah, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Get in your lane, bitch. That, um, I worry for the, um, like, the, to see the, um, the percentage turnout for the election. I just hope that I just hope that it's it's high. We're I mean we're doing a good job, aren't we? You know, the last one was what sixty nine percent or something, but that is still you know thirty one percent of people that didn't bother to go. Yeah, I and that's a lot. That can change a mandate. I know, and I'm hoping that there will be a bigger turnout. I think compared to most years, I think hopefully right now, because I hate to say it as well, but I think there will be a lot of people that they haven't had anything to do during the pandemic, so they'll probably want to actually do it now. Do you know what I mean? They'll, they'll be looking forward to it because they've their whole life's not busy with the sesh or these other things. They'll be like, right, I will go and vote. And it's like, well, yeah, you should be doing this every year. Like, Absolutely. But I also hope that because people have had to watch the news, yeah, that they'll be like, this is an absolute shit show. Totally. Well, did, you, did you vote last time? No. Well, no, that's why it's a shit show. So shut up. Unless you vote. And then I'll listen to you. And then I'll tell you you were wrong. You know, um, they need to kind of they, they need to kind of do things like that. I don't think that we should mandate it. Like there's countries out there where if you don't vote, you don't get a mortgage because then that's kind of forcing the the kind of matter. No. You know, so I don't believe in any of that because people say that in this. You know, well, make it compulsory. No, because yeah. dem- d- democracy, as you do, have your right to no vote. Yeah. You know, so um, 
it's about having the so, choice. You know, yeah, it's about having the choice and there should always be choice and things like that. Totally. So we're talking about so many political things because the election's coming up and life has just unfortunately been so chaotic the last couple of weeks, especially with 80s season. And for me, something that I'd love to ask is what has life been like for the, during the pandemic for you and what have you been doing to cope the last, God, 13 months now? Uh, masturbating a lot. <laughs> and no... <laughs> That's definitely in there. You can't like you can't get away from that subject, you know, because you're not allowed to, you know, touch anyone else. So you know, just touch yourself. Um, uh, no, to be honest, you know, I it's not it's not. I've always been this kind of advocate of, of it's not a competition. If I go back to work and can't speak Russian, you know, I'm not going to be hard on myself. So I actually don't have an exhaustive list of things that I've done. Mm. You know, I built a cinema in the living room. Yeah, you know, it's just a it's just a fold down screen. I call it a cinema and, you know, and, um, you know, made my neighbours hate me a little bit more um, with, you know, they, they now have to, instead of doing in-car concerts with myself, they became in-kitchen concerts. So, um, yeah, the, the neighbours either think that Barbara Streisand and Dan Celine live here or that I'm just a really bad singer. Um, so, and I think that I did, I did do a lot more reading when it came to things like COVID and things like that, because... We need to inform ourselves and, you know, again, going back to social media, um, there's obviously a lot of misinformation out there. Mm. And like we said before, we, we had a chat before we came on this, you know, it's, um, you know, with people that go, I'm right, and you're wrong. And, you know, you can't change their, and then you say, well, where did you read that? The internet. Well, what website? Dumbasfuck.com. All right. <laughs> you know, great. Um, or my dad told me, and, and where did your dad get his doctorate? He didn't. He picks up shells at the beach <laughs> and ma- makes them into ornaments. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, he'll know that that third wave's washing up on our shores. You know, um, it's stuff like that. And, you, and, you know, and how people, like, really kind of are so sure of themselves. So I've been doing, like, a lot of reading, different sources and things like that, and trying to remain balanced and things. But also just trying to speak to people that are quite open about not wanting to get the vaccine mm-hmm. and not wanting to wear a mask. You know, just trying to speak to them about, you know, general things. I think that I always took COVID seriously. I remember, um, I remember being at my company's sales kickoff in 2019 and people were talking about it then. And I think that's the first time I started being like, all oh, right, OK, this COVID-19 that we're kind of hearing about. And then, you know, by the time February came, I was like, oh, you know, my customers had started to say, we don't want you to be on site anymore. Just we'll, we'll use Teams or, or Zoom or whatever platform. And then you were like, all right. And then, you know, you thought a couple of weeks and things like that will be fine. And then, you know, it, it wasn't. And um, I live on my own, but like with the cat. So I'm gutted that in the kind of the 16, 18 months, whatever it's been now, I've not managed to teach my cat one word of fucking English. She, like, she's not picked any of it up, so she's not had a good pandemic. Um, but, you know, the kind of the other things that I've done is tried to do mindfulness. But, mm. you know, I think I've learned as well to kind of be like, that's not working. Mm. You know, I'm not doing well. Whereas before, I was very Ira Levin Stepford Wives. I'm fine. And it's not just because of my like ginger hair, like Brie Vandekamp. I just be like, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Relatable. You know, and I think being 
funny and confident in the whole surprise prize, people want you to be fine. They see it as a social marker that, you know, you're almost like a, almost like a, a you know, I don't want to sound like I'm bigging myself up on an arse or anything, but like, you almost feel a bit like a beacon for people to be like, you know, I'll, I'll go and phone Ryan and he'll cheer me up. And you kind of feel responsible for that. I'm sure you've got similar kind of feelings and similar people that will phone you to just say, oh, Jordy, please make me feel better. Do you know? And you, go, and you kind of want to go, you do it because you have to, because you're their friend and stuff, but you want to go to them. I'm probably worse than you. But do you know, I had that moment. I had that moment in August where I actually had my pure breakdown because I saw my friends the 1st of August. I hadn't seen any of them for four months. And I sat, because I was in the shielding category, and I sat and was like, oh my God, everything's a mess. You know, I was getting back with an ex-boyfriend that was really bad for me. Everything was just messy. And I remember sitting and saying to two friends over the course of August and December, between then and then, I said to two friends, you know, I can't, I can't do this anymore. You can't be expecting me to fix everything for you. You've got to fix yourself. And I'm now not friends with them because they didn't cope with that. And that's the difficulty that I get where you're saying that you feel like you have to, but sometimes you really have to set a boundary and go, I can't do this. And I actually do really resonate what you say, and I don't think it's egotistic or arrogant to say that, that when you are in the public eye performing, doing fun, lighthearted things, like I was DJing, I was doing drag, I was doing shows about how my life had been shit. But I came to the other end. It never finished with a show where I went, everything's been horrific. See ya. It didn't. It always had to have that optimistic don't worry though, it will get better because then everyone can go, oh, that's a shame Jordy went through that. But you know what? They're fine now because they don't, a lot of people, like one of the things that I think is so powerful that you just said actually was the fact that you said being able to say, no, I'm not all right, actually. Such a powerful statement to be able to say to yourself because then it really can take effect. And for me, it's like when I've said to friends, do you know what? Like things aren't great actually. Everyone went, oh fuck, because they thought, well, Jordy always manages, so what the fuck are we going to do now? And I'm like, well, I'm not doing this for all of you. I'm doing it for me, and I actually am coping, so sorry, you're going to have to bear with me until I can get my head around it. So I totally get you. I completely get you on that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and um, they always look to you for a good word. You know, let's have our kind of final thought with Jordy, because it'll be a positive one. Yeah. And then you're like... This is an absolute fucking shambles. And then you're like, oh dear, you know, and then, but you know, good for you for cutting those people out because if they are not, you know, you know, it's that whole, if you don't like take me at my worst, don't get me at my best kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? So like good for you for doing that because, you know, they're clearly, you were, you were there to serve no purpose. Whereas friends, there should be no purpose apart from your friends. And it's the thing for me was it was identifying that they were wanting me to enable them. Do you know what I mean? So for them, it was them at their worst because I could handle that. They were, that was it. And for me, it was when I was at my worst. Oh, I can't hack that. And I'm sitting going, well, it's a two-way street here, hon. And if you're going to yeah. in one, but then I can't walk the other, then this isn't going to happen. And I'm quite a good person. I like to think that I didn't go, right, you're not suiting me now, bye. It, it was a thing over six months that I went, I can't, I've told you this in August and gradually it's just slowly starting to eat away and I thought, I don't even like who you've become anymore now that I don't want to be enabling and allowing you to behave this and it's toxic energy in my house that, you know, when I was bubbled at one point with one of them, I was like, I don't want to be near this anymore, this isn't good for me, this isn't good for you, this is, mm-hmm. you need to sort yourself out, so I totally relate and it's, um, it's just so interesting, it's been such a difficult pandemic and obviously, I think for me and you, there might be a similarity. You feel free to add in after this uh, question. But 
the nightlife was a crucial part of my identity when I turned 18 because I met my, like you said, the Judys, like all my Jills. I met a lot of them from CC's, The Street, Planet, like Havana. And it's so interesting for me that young students might not be experiencing that and going to these things. And what are your words of advice to them if they're really struggling right now and they're wanting to pursue their dreams and they want to go to the scene, but they're feeling like disconnected? You know, what would you say to them? Oh, that is like, that is a good question. That's like a, you know, the, the thing is about our community is that 95% of us, we are kind of family. You know, you kind of, we all have something in common that the, uh, the you know, the, the, that we feel that heterosexual people don't feel, you know, or, you know, so kind of we, we have this kind of shared experience which bonds us in a way that, you know, other people just don't get. And, you know, if you lose your blood family and things like that, um, or, you, you know, your blood family doesn't understand you or, or things, you know, you've always got the people that, that do understand you and are kind of there for you. And it is just about knowing that it, you may be alone just now. You may have come from a different country to the UK to, um, for your studies. And you're kind of sat in this box that is your students' halls. And, you know, the kind of now you can't get home and things like that. Well, you know, reach out online, you know, find Facebook groups, reach out to local artists because, you know, they're, they, they're you know, they, they kind of provide art which kind of deals with things like this. Reach out to kind of local, um, you know, gay, um, LGBT plus reach out to the kind of those charities in the area and see if they're doing anything on Zoom and things like that. You need to kind of, but don't feel like, again, you know, that's kind of like this kind of tick, 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 tick lists and, you know, here's some advice. Sometimes even advice can be overwhelming and just know that, you know, put one foot in front of the other, you know, time is, will, will move on, which means that th things will change. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day, you know. <laughs> we're not going to relive the same day, even though it feels like we have the past kind of year and a bit. So, but we are, time's moving on. We're getting dates now and things for, for things to change. And, you know, you'll be nervous to come to the, the scene if you've never been before. But it's, you know, it just take it easy, you know, and kind of just you know, kind of go through the day, you know, speak to the bar staff. That's what they're there for as well. Yeah. They're not just there to pour you drinks. You know, they, they've, most of them that I know have been on the scene for, you know, a while and things like that. And then hopefully when you get back to, you know, join a society, you know, like at Price Price, so many societies came and things like that. And, you know, it's, you know, I'm on Instagram stuff. You can find me and ask me or speak to me. You know, I will like get back to you eventually and things, you know, because we, we kind of all we all kind of have been in that situation at some point. Yeah. I think everybody oh, yeah. in the past year, um, whether you, you know, like whether you are alone or whether you're bubbled with someone or whether that you've got a husband, wife, partner, whatever, um, there will be times that you felt alone. You know, even if there's someone right there who you're madly in love with and you're your soulmate, mm -hmm. you know, there will still be times where you felt separation from your family or yeah. your work colleagues or even just like your favorite coffee shop because you've been, because you've been restricted, yep. you know, you, like we all want, it's like, you know, maximum human rights and freedom to move and freedom to do what we want. 
when we want and how we want, as long as it's, you know, within the law. You know, some of you listening to this will go up Carlton Hill. You just need to stop that. <laughs> um, you know, I had a really bad fall in a frozen condom um, in the winter. So you just need to just stop going up Carlton Hill. Um, and, you know, th- like, as long as it's within those parameters of law, then, you know, we want to do it. And we now we've been told no. And again, that feeds back into when this is over, or even not even when this is over, start to make your plans now to kind of do stuff. Because as I say, I said things in 2019, oh, I'm going to do that next year. I'm going to do that next year. Mm. And, and now we've not had next year. And maybe even this year. You know, I better be in that fucking photo booth in the street <laughs> soon, though. I, am, I might just break in. You know. <laughs> that photo booth has seen so many iconic moments. And for me, one of the questions I want to throw at you that I loved... Um, putting together was if you could pick one what was your favourite night you ever did of Prize Surprise at the street oh there have been so so many Uh, we'll come back to that I need to think because it's just like honestly you know there's there's so many for different reasons there's so many because it was like the festival or because someone was there or you know but I'll give you three. I'll give you a top three then. How's that? Top three. Do you know, like, you know, um, I think that the night that me and Wendy duetted to I Got You Babe by Sunny and Cher oh. was quite good, you know. And any night that we ended up, me and Wendy ended up back at hers with the remnants of Cafe Picante <laughs> in a box. You know, like, we'd be at the hot plate. Yeah. And I'd just be like... Six of these, two of these, one of these. And he'd be like, oh, it's all going in the bin anyway, so that's a pound. And I'd be like, if it's going in the bin, it's fuck all. And I'd go out, and then the next week I'd be sober and see him, and he'd be like, pound, please. And I'd be like, I'll give you a later tonight. <laughs> um, I must be due then, like, about £890 or something. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, any of that. And then when Ross got involved, it became just so good because we were, like, this kind of weird trio, like the weird sisters. Ross was so meticulously ready and... Boom, boom, boom. I was just drunk and, you know, making horrendous jokes about myself and people. And Wendy was in the back dancing idiotically. So out of you three, who are Beyonce, Kelly and Michelle? Um, Well, Wendy's Amelia Earhart because of that stupid hat she wears. (laughs) Um, and And she really acts like she has been lost in the Bermuda Triangle for a while. And someone's... She's just, oh, hey, up. I was on the plane trying to get to America. And, oh, I've landed in Edinburgh. Hey, up. Oh, I'm going to buy this bar. You know, and, um, you know, so actually she's probably, she, she's Beyonce's dad, um, if you're going to put it all together in the first place. <laughs> and um, I think that Ross is Beyonce because he, like, tells us what to do and things like that. Hey, all right. Okay. Yeah, he's like, right, do this, do this, do this, because they're both pissed. And then I'm the fan that Beyonce got her hair caught in. <laughs> you know, um, we're Destiny's child. Um, so no, I think that I think that goes quite well. You know, um, no, I, I think that we we're we're more. Um, I think we're more like the um, what was that like? The, what we did walk like an Egyptian. Bangles. Yeah, we're a little more like the Bangles. Right. A bit shit. A couple of hits. You know, quite good. <laughs> 
I absolutely love that you described all of you as those people in terms of the street. That's just brilliant. And if I had to ask you, right, you know, for Come Down With Me, what was the highlight of doing Come Down With Me then? Ooh. Meeting the people was, was honestly brilliant. And we've stayed to, like, really good friends. But that's such, like, a PG-13 answer. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly think it was, like, being on Channel 4 and stuff. And, like, yeah. it was exciting. It was exciting that it was, like, come down with me, which is, like, everyone's hangover Sunday favourite and things like that. Yeah. So, like, yeah. So it was just, it probably was that. And you were just, like, honestly so, so, so excited. And it was just so funny because we were on the Monday to Friday and then the week after, on the Tuesday or something, we went into lockdown. Boris was on TV being like, that's us in lockdown. You know, it was kind of like this bizarre whirlwind of, oh my, come down with me, Zon, but I think we're going to go into this lockdown and there's this thing that they're saying could be as bad as the Spanish flu and, you know, great. And it's so true because when you did obviously do come down with me, I did sit on the Sunday after I had made some questionable decisions, getting drunk and I thought, it does get better. <laughs> I could be Ryan and that, you know, and with that chocolate fucking souffle, which will haunt me forever. And I've got, um, I would love to just say this, right? And I, you feel free to tell me if you consider it, but I kind of feel like you were very much like the Kim Woodburn of Come Down With Me. But I think I, I think, you know, I think I could be, I think I could be like the Kim Woodburn of Come Down With Me. It was just, it was honestly just a laugh. And I, and I said to them from the very start, I said to them when like, they were on, did the phone interview and stuff, I was like, I'm not there to win. I'm honestly just there to have a good time. Oh. And if I do, by some weird thing, win, I will give the money to charity. Oh, like, I, I just, you know, I don't, I just, you know, I don't, like, everybody needs money, but it's like, I don't need it. Like, I'm not, you know, I was like, I don't, you know, just, so just give it away. Yeah, money is like manure. It's not worth much unless you spread it around encouraging young things to grow. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's a Barbara Streisand quote. I, I thought that, actually. Yeah. It's funny, you know, um, hearing you doing all these amazing things, pandemic, and then during the pandemic, life has been unfolding. What are your goals? This is what I've been asking a lot of people for season three is what are your goals? Have you got any goals even when things return that you've decided that's what I want to do when normality returns? All my goals are holes. <laughs> I've got a year and a bit to make up for. So, you know, if you're young, free and single, just tap me up. Or don't tap. I don't like tap. Send me a message on Grindr. No, um, you know, the, the, I think the goals are, you, it's kind of reset it that you kind of are like, you know, do more things for you to make you happy. So my goals will be about that. I think that I was kind of starting to get hung up because, you know, in, in work, you know, there's, they kind of do the whole, they're, you know, there's not many, like hardly any. And I mean, like in a company of 17,000, I've met five gay men wow you know so there's not many in our work and it's not it's nothing to do with the culture or anything like that because I, I am so supported and so loved and and loved in my job so much that it's not the company it's just we just don't you know maybe it's the industry maybe it's IT and there's you know it's just not got that kind of 
pizzazz that people are looking for, or it's just one of those things, you know, a random conversion of events, you know, you know, things like that. But in work, you know, you see so many people like, you know, you hear about people getting married and like having kids and things like that. And then I was starting to feel a little bit like, oh God, I should really probably be further down this road. And then I'm like, you know, through the pandemic, I'm like, who the fuck made the road? Like, you know, who put your, who, you know, who put those road signs in your head to say, you know, you should be traveling down this road at this speed, which means you will arrive at marriage at 30. You know, and I, but I was kind of thinking like that, you know, and then maybe that's also because of the kind of culture that we live in. You know, the us gay men um, need to take a hold and accept responsibility for projecting images that make other gay men feel insignificant, not wanted, insecure. It really damages their mental health. You know, if you don't have a six pack and things like that, people are killing themselves, you know, because they can't reach this, this body image and things like that. And I just think that, you know, and so, you know, I think that I was holding myself in that regard as well. Mm. So I was giving myself a hard time before the pandemic for the way I looked and my weight and things like that. And I was also giving myself a hard time for maybe not being as far down the life path. But this has made me think, you know, I need to do things that make me happy. Everybody is different. Every single person on this planet is unique. Although some of you girls and boys and, and you know, non-binary thing, peoples are like, you know, the things that we're doing are, you know, we're trying to make ourselves look like each other. The carbon copies, the plastics. Stop it, be yourself. Yeah. Stop those things that you're doing to make yourself look like, you know, each other look like yourself you know because but then that's because they're looking at all this stuff on instagram mm. six packs chanel handbags or fake tan fake lips i can't talk my lips look like they've been stuck in a pool drain <laughs> um but you know like we need to stop doing that and we need to kind of be supportive and lift each other up and things like that and if you're not married by the time you're like 30 or that there's still time there's always time it's so true. And this is why earlier when you brought up this social media conversation, I totally empathize. I'm like, yeah, I totally relate. Because talking to younger people, one of the conversations I had with the Fife group was they were saying a lot of them were women. And they were talking about drag and saying, oh, why do you do drag? Well, and I was chatting away and they were like, oh, I couldn't ever do that. And I kind of sat and went, whoa, 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 whoa. Why could you not do it? Just, I'm curious. Why would you say that? Like, oh, well, in drag race, it's all men. And now they've got the trans man, but that's it. And I kind of went, drag race is not, Edinburgh's nightlife, Manchester's nightlife, London, Glasgow. That's not what this is. Drag Race is Drag Race. It is its yeah. own format, its own platform, its own TV show. And I hate to say this, but that's not the only drag you can do. I know hundreds of queer performers in cabaret scene that are all kinds of drag artists. Don't feel discouraged because of a television show. That is not real life. That is one part of a lot of different parts of life. So it's so apt, and you say this about the looks, the amount of gay men, bi men, all people in the queer community, actually, Umbrella, really, that I've spoken to that have said during the pandemic, you know, a lot of, I had my friend come on, who's a dietitian for um, season two, and she talked about sort of the, um, the ways in which people were talking to her as a dietitian about, oh, I put on loads of weight during the pandemic because I've not been out. And she went, don't criticise yourself because this is un- 
usual circumstances. Don't be cruel to yourself. Be kind to yeah. yourself. Try and do your best. And I was like, whoa, that's interesting. So you're so it right. It is, yeah. I think as well, because I think there's a lot of people out there that um, also, like me, I'm one of them, that that use their surroundings to nurture what they want to do. So, for example, I go to the gym to be in the gym. And when I'm in the gym, you know, I go in flight mode and I've got a playlist already downloaded from YouTube or, or on Apple, whatever, or, you know, Spotify. And I'm there to do that. And for that hour and a half, I do that and things like that. And then when you go to the cinema, that's your, like, unwind time. You, like, turn your phone off and you watch the film, yeah. things like that. But we've been stuck in our house, which has become our nightclubs, our restaurants, our entertainment, our gym and things. And in here, I just can't that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I have been doing it, but it's, you know, not at the level that it should be. You know, and, I, you know, so don't, don't beat yourself up about it. But the other thing with being stuck in your house is you've got more time to scroll and that feeds the situation, yep. you know. And then, and then you kind of think these people are, these people have um, kept a six pack during the lockdown or these people have, found love or these people are still on holiday and things like that and you're kind of you're like it's not real it's so true and I want to tell you a wee story before we get on to the last two questions which this has been such a great interview but the last thing I would like to add to that that I think is so apt is that pre-pandemic I didn't really use that much of my social media apart from work like I would post where I was working what I was doing if I was in hospital I'd post so people knew in case they were worried or anything but of course that was it. But I, during the pandemic, it was getting to that point last week, not this week, last week, that I'd went on Twitter and I was tweeting stuff about the leaders debate. And I'd noticed that someone who I thought had been my friend for years had unfollowed me on Twitter, right? Now I did that thing of going, oh my God, they hate me. They think I'm this person. They, they have totally disconnected from my life. They don't want to be my friend anymore. And that could be why they unfollowed me. But equally, I had to sit myself down and go, it is a follow on Twitter, yeah that is it it is a follow yeah. on twitter it is yeah. a real life situation i think the problem that you've got and i think that the problem a lot of people have got and i've suffered from it as well is because of the pandemic it, it's a catastrophe and it's you know it's such a bad thing that's happened and i think that in other areas of our lives now we catastrophize we head instantly to the worst thing that can possibly happen or the worst reason that something has happened without just doing the simple thing of texting them and saying, have I done something wrong? Or, you know, we instantly go, oh my God, they, they must hate me and they've taken offence to something. I don't know what it is. What if they're going around spreading shit about me? What if they're doing this? And you're like, but they're not. So instead of living in the catastrophe and living in this alternative universe that you've created, you need to try and bring it back to the now. And the quickest thing to do is communicate, which is another thing that, you know, we, we've all kind of stopped doing in the correct manner. Yep. You know, it's tough. Um, I think because a lot of people when they're at work just now as well have been moved to video calls and things like that instead of emails and things. At night, they don't want to do it because they've done it all day. That's it. And then instead of a friend saying, why did you not pick up? Or, you know, I've tried to phone you a few times, you know, and you say, just text me. They kind of, they then catastrophize and go, what the fuck's that all about? You know, and then I, I don't want to be their friend anymore because, you know, they were trying to just, just saying, just text me. They didn't want to speak to me. 
well, you didn't text me to be like, are you all right? Well, no, the reason I want to text is because I've been on the phone all day with work, you know, eight till six. You know, can we just text? Because I'm in the bath now, chilling, and you can have a back and forth conversation on text. I just do not want to phone. Yeah. You know, and people do catastrophize. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard not to. And it's so funny because I've been filming the last two weeks um, with the National Fair of Scotland and I've been telling people I've been developing work with them, but I can't say what it's about. But what you've just talked about is literally one of the parts to it that it's all about this both on different ends of a spectrum and communication and not finding that middle ground. And it's so, because of the pandemic especially, you know, everyday life is like that pre-pandemic. I would argue constantly with guys I was going to wear because we were just not listening to each other. You know, we weren't sitting going, right, what are you actually trying to say? It was, well, I don't like what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? And it's so, yeah. it's the same thing now that people are just getting lost in the translation of the communication. So I'm in my cocktail bag getting more cocktails out. Oh, I love um, it. The other thing is, you know, we speak English, but there are now so many ways to speak English to each other. Mm. Are you an Instagram DM? Are you a Facebook message? Are you a phone call? Are you a FaceTime? Are you uh, iMessage? Are you Blackberry Messenger? Are you WhatsApp? Um, you know, are you Twitter DMs? Are you on my main feed on my page? Are you in the comments? You know, there's so many ways you can communicate and everybody has their own preference, yeah. but they're maybe not the same preference. And instead of kind of coming to going, do you, oh, all right, cool, oh, we're cool. You just want me to text you, right, okay. We kind of go to this area where we're like, yeah, fucking bitch. <laughs> you know? So something I am asking everyone, um, because me and you could just talk all night and I'm sure we will end up catch up again, but, you know, um, season three, particularly, we're looking at hope. We in season two looked at, what did 2020 teach us? What are we grateful for in 2021? But what I really want to focus this season on was hope and sort of I allow my guests to talk about one moment that things were really fucking shit. They weren't coping very well. So far I've had somebody was stuck abroad before the pandemic started, just as it started to unfold. Someone was bullied at school. Someone was going through their transitioning surgery. And I would love to hear kind of a moment that you would like to share as intense or as really kind of um, simple, but it would lovely, it'd be lovely to hear that moment of things being shit and hope getting you through it. Oh, um, yeah. I, so kind of like hope getting me through something. I also think I want to talk about like what I hope for the future as well. Do you know, and, and, you know, for example, I, I hope to fuck that all the gay safe spaces in Edinburgh survived the pandemic because we need as many as we can. And it's just so concerning to see when you're walking around the city already, a lot of two let signs up. You know, I've not seen any on our spaces yet, but you know, you just you just worry. Yeah. So I hope that they all survive and I hope that we all support them when they open. And you know, um, I just think that like shitty situations and hopes got me through. You know, all you can, all you really can have is, is hope, you know. The past's done, the past's wow. defined, the past's set in stone. And, um, you know, you can be sorry about the past and you can grow from the past, but you can't change it, you know. There's nothing that you can do to, to, to kind of go back and fix anything. Not yet, anyway, you know, maybe we'll find a time machine or maybe Doctor Who will come and we can hook up and go traveling for a while. But um, no, like, you know, we've, we've got that sort you know, kind of, my hope's always just in the, in the kind of the present. Wow. 
because the things that we do today matter. And then the, the kind of the, all the small things that you kind of can do to change everything, you know. Mm. We all want to make a difference. I think that that is the kind of, I know that it's a more of a political saying, but I think one of the meanings of life is you come here and you leave the place in a better, place, better state than you found it. Wow. And I just, and then so my like kind of day to day, I just hope that I'm doing small things to make up for that. You know, um, don't try to boil the ocean. You know, climate change is doing a good enough job that as it is. But, you know, instead of going for an ocean-sized thing to boil, start with a little pan, you know. And all these tiny things that you make, that you do and you change, if there'll be hundreds of thousands of people out there making these tiny changes, they are making a difference, you know. I said earlier, I used the word hope. I hope everyone votes yep. because that makes a difference. Mm. Um, you know, and um, I said at the start of this, I hope people really do think that I'm a legend because that'd be quite nice. <laughs> but, you know, and but my kind of the, the kind of the hope for the, the future as well. You know, it's funny, like when I seen the word hope, I think that um, I hope that more of us use our free time to volunteer when this is finished as well. And I'd seen there's an, a, um, uh, an addiction service called Steps to Hope in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. I've only just been reading about them the past kind of couple of weeks and I think that I'm going to volunteer there. Wow, amazing. You know, I think that we all just need to kind of give a little bit of our time to the, the people that are struggling with their time. Wow, that's beautiful. I love that hope's never left you then and hope's always prevalent in your life. That's, that's, so, yeah. apt. that's so apt. Yeah. So. Do you know what happens with money when you invest it? Well, if you give it to the correct person, it kind of grows and there's benefits that come from it and you can use that to make yourself feel better and healthier and make your family feel better. Money is not the only thing that you can invest. Time and effort and, you know, are things that you can invest in education or in other people or in causes that you're passionate about or in a, a new hobby. Um, so you kind of you invest your time and effort like really wisely. And, you know, the other thing as well, like I've said loads on this as well as um, just hope that people take the world by the nuts because I'll do it next year. Well, mm. sometimes next year doesn't come. Wow. So. Honestly, what an incredible way to discuss hope and sort of and bring a bigger conversation than I anticipated. I love that. We have reached the end of the episode. I can't quite believe we managed to get there, Ryan. This, is, this has been so great. And I am buzzed. And before, how many cocktails have I had? Too many. But what, what is too many? What is too many? And before we end, we always end the episode with an inspiring quote from your from the guests. I would love for you to share your quote before we finish up. Yeah. Wise people grow trees whose shade they know they will never sit under. Oh, wow. And plant the seeds for people that aren't even born yet. Wow. Make the change now so that the next lot that come in, um, again, leave the world in a better place than you found them. Absolutely beautiful. And I, as a green voter, I'm loving that. But all, as a person, I am 110% here for planting more seeds. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ryan. Me too. No, honestly, I have had the best time. 
with Geordie Delay, Edinburgh's Oprah. <laughs> um, who's having that conversation? Um, but yeah, no, honestly, I can't wait to come and, and see some of the stuff you've been working on, but live, because I am really missing live theatre. No. Online theatre is good. Like, you know, I watch Leicester Theatre do um, uh, Sunset Boulevard and things like that. And Rhea Jones was just, oh, I was just having a, a wet dream about that. But, um, you know, there's nothing better than live theatre. And you must, as a performer, miss the live audience. Yeah, I do. I do miss it. But I think hope is going to, with the way things are going, I think things are coming back slowly but surely. And it's people like us in the entertainment industry that we need to bring that fire back. So I'm here for it. Brilliant. I'm here for it. I'm buying the tickets. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, Ryan. It's been a pleasure. Catchy, bye. What an absolute incredible episode. Our like communication conversation so naturally flowed and I was so worried that, you know, like I said at the beginning of the episode, when you got two charismatic personalities and performers in a room, it sometimes can be a case of hogging a mic. But I felt in this situation, probably because of Zoom, <laughs> and the fact you've actually got to let people talk, I think we definitely shared a microphone and it was a beautiful duet like Sonny and Cher and I was here for it. Ryan, you are such an incredible artist and I love the fact that deep down you are just a philanthropist at heart and you are living your absolute Capricorn life and doing it justice. And I love that we both went to QMU. I think that's such a lovely thing we had in common that I didn't realise until you started chatting about it. This was a great interview and afterwards me and Ryan actually sat for 45 minutes blethering about the pandemic and how it affected us. It was such a lovely catch up and I'm looking forward to the next one, hopefully very soon. I'm so glad you all joined me for this absolute iconic episode because you know life is full of surprises and this was a great surprise for you all to enjoy. And I'm so glad, Ryan, you're a superstar. Thank you for being your authentic self. Well, thank you for joining me for Afternoon Delight on Saturday with Ryan Matthewson. Tomorrow I have got Meow Meow Purr Purr, another street local you'll all know very well. And I'm going to keep that as a surprise. But let me tell you, um, I weirdly enough, during, doing the interview, had to sort out my cat before it as they had an unfortunate incident with shit. And I had to basically wipe their arsehole and pull it out their bum hole. And she found it hilarious. And it was very apt for the interview. Not because she's into scat, just because she is, um, by name, a kitty cat. And I'm very excited to share that interview as well. We actually have DJ Royalty. I'm really excited. But until then, stay safe. Look forward to the surprises life has to hold for you. And remember to breathe.